0: Okay, well, we have a lot of folks here, Boris, we're probably able to start whenever you're ready. I'll keep an eye on the waiting room and bring people in.
1: Yeah, I think, um, let's see, I think everyone is here from my team. Let's see, Anne, are you there? Oh, yeah, there you are. Okay. Josh is there. Rebecca's there. Okay, yeah, we're, we're good to go. So if if you're ready, Adam, then we'll get started. That'll okay. Okay. Great. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, we're very excited to be kicking off the uh, the Lawrence route redesign study. Um, I think this will be a very, very uh, important and exciting project. So um, there was an agenda that went out with the meeting invite that probably most of you saw, and we'll mostly be sticking to to that agenda. But um, as we get into kind of the second part after introductions and we get into kind of the discussion, um, feel free to, you know, stray somewhat if, if you have anything on your mind that you'd like us to, to know about. Um, that's that's fine. Because tonight really what the the aim is is for us, the consulting team, to kind of wrap our heads around what some of the key issues are um, that, you know, preceded this study, why why this study is happening now and and so on. Um, So we'll get started first with introductions um, with with our team, with the consulting team. Uh, So I'm Boris Palczyk with Foursquare Integrated Transportation Planning. Uh, I'll be the project manager for this study. Um, Let's see, Josh Diamond, will will go next. He's a, a, a VP with our firm. So Josh, you wanna say hi?
2: Sure. Um, Josh Diamond, as Boris mentioned, I'm a <laughs> vice president with uh,
1: Force Square and next uh, on this project. Okay, so Josh is going to be what we call the uh, pick uh, principal in charge. So he's going to have sort of an oversight role on this project, some QA QC, and uh, just making sure things stay on track overall. Then we also have Rebecca Slocum, who's one of our transportation planners. Uh, she's going to sort of act as, as my deputy on this project. So Rebecca, you want to say hi?
3: Hi, nice to meet you. I'm a transportation planner, and uh, I'll be working quite a bit on this project. So nice to meet you.
1: Okay, great. And then um, we also have Anne Herzog. So Anne is going to be leading our public engagement uh, plan from, or the she's going to be formulating the public engagement plan that we will then follow um, throughout the, the study. So Anne, you want to say a little bit about yourself?
4: Yeah, hi, I'm Anne-Frame Herzog. I'm actually a Lawrence resident and uh, living in, I'm over on uh, the south, uh, southwest side of Lawrence right now. So Adam, next time, if you need some company, I can always come down and sit with you. But um, having worked with Shocking Consulting, we love working in Lawrence and we're really excited about this because uh, transportation obviously is key as we're finding out more and more over the last year. It's been really important. So glad to be
1: here. Great, all right, thanks Anne. So uh, now let's, let's hear from Adam. I'm sure most of you know Adam, but do you wanna say hi anyway?
0: Sure, uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager for the City of Lawrence. Started just about a year ago. Um, so excited to work on this project. It's, been, uh, it's got a lot of history with it, so excited to move forward on it.
1: Okay, um, wow, We've, now how do I choose who goes next? Um, let's go with Felice next.
5: I am Felice Laverne. I started with Lawrence Transit a couple of months ago, so I'm new but very excited. I'm the planner two for
6: Lawrence Transit.
1: Okay. Uh, anybody? Uh, Aaron is. Let's see. Aaron, do you want to go next?
6: I'm assuming that's me. I don't know if there's yes. any other Aarons. My name is Aaron Quisenberry and the reason I say that everybody calls me Quiz. So when I hear Aaron, I, I kind of do a turnaround. I'm not sure if anybody's talking to me, but uh, I'm with KU Transportation Services. Uh, I've been in this role working with the KU On Wheels bus program now for three years uh, with Margreta, but I've also been on the KU campus for 24 years. So it's good to see everybody. Okay, uh, I guess Margreta would be
1: a good next introduction. Margaret, you might be on mute. If I have
7: technology. I'm Margaret Defries. I work at KU Transportation Services. I have been in that office for 23 years and working with transit through KU's Transportation uh, Services since 2007, so that's 14.
1: Okay, great, thanks. Uh, Ginger?
8: Hi, my name is Ginger Dahl, I'm the general manager for First Transit, and we operate the service for the city of Lawrence and for KU on Wheels.
9: Okay,
1: thank you. Um, Is there anyone from KU or Lawrence Transit that I haven't yet called on? Okay. Uh,
0: Since we did Ginger, let's do Tiffany and Justin.
1: Okay. Uh, Tiffany?
10: Hi, I'm Tiffany Thorpe. I am the operations manager for First Transit.
1: Okay, thanks, Tiffany. Justin? Uh, Justin may be on mute. All right, Um, we'll come back to Justin um, later. Let's see, let's try the MPO next. Um, So we got Jessica. Go ahead. Yeah,
3: I'm Jessica. Jessica Mortinger, Transportation Planning Manager with the MPO.
1: Okay. Um, Ashley?
11: Hello, I'm Ashley Byers, Transportation Planner with the MPO.
1: Great. And is that everybody from the MPO, uh, University, and Lawrence Transit? Okay. So. Um, for everybody else, uh, I'd like you to introduce yourselves, but then also kind of give us um, maybe one or two sentences about your interest in transit in Lawrence. So I am um, gonna go based on the order that people appear on my screen. So Carol Bowen.
11: Hello, I'm Carol Bowen. I'm a commissioner on the Multimodal Transportation Commission. I probably bring two special interests. One, I'm an avid pedestrian and always have been. Um, I do ride the bus on, on occasion and uh, I guess just one.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Uh, Gary Reinheimer.
12: I'm with the city, I'm through with uh, municipal services and operations. So I'm kind of
9: helping Adam with the building side of the project. Okay, great. Uh, Ron May. Hi, everybody. I'm Ron May. I'm with Lawrence Public Schools, and I kind of serve as a liaison with the city, especially with traffic and stuff. I, I oversee transportation for the district um and i've served a couple terms on the lawrence traffic commission so i kind of was in the background when some of this stuff was kind of starting at the beginning and i apologize in advance i'm going to sneak out of here at about six i have another commitment i have to be at okay well thanks for joining us Uh, gary weber
12: hi there i'm gary weber i'm the secretary of the lawrence association of neighborhoods and the president of the sunset hill neighborhood association i'm a active transportation activist and bus rider Good, thank you. Kenny Yates.
13: Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Kenny Yates. I'm the Director of Operations at the Lawrence Community Shelter. Um, transportation is pretty critical for our clients, um, so I'm happy to be here and be able to contribute.
1: Good, thanks. Charlie Bryan.
13: Hello, my name is Charlie Bryan. I'm a member of the Multimodal Transportation Commission, and I serve as the alternate for our commission.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, Laura McCullough.
5: Laura McCulloch with Lawrence Douglas County Public Health um, areas related to um, the community health plan that intersect with this would be our um, access to healthy food, including improving um, transportation for access to healthy food. And then also work around chronic disease risk reduction and improving um, active transportation.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Melissa Fisher Isaacs.
3: Hi, uh, I'm Melissa Fisher Isaacs. I'm the Information Services Coordinator at the Lawrence Public Library. Um, the library has kind of been the unofficial bus station um for a while. Um, so um, we interact quite a lot with um bus riders. Um, and the work of my department, um, an important part of that is to connect um, people with community resources. And a lot of times uh, getting people to those um, you know, transit is an important part of that. So um yeah, so very interested
1: in uh, in this work. Excellent. Thank you, Alyssa. Um Eva Steinman.
8: Hello, I'm Ava Steinman. I am the um, Community Planner for FTA Region 7 for Kansas and Missouri. Great.
1: Thanks for joining us, Ava. Uh, Andrew Moore.
12: Good evening, everybody. Um, I am, well, of course, Andrew Moore. Um, I am the uh, Student Senate Treasurer at the University of Kansas, so I'm kind of here representing um, all of us college students. Uh, so, oh, maybe I should have gone during the KU time, but I'm going now.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. And then John Moore. Uh, John I can't hear you. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go.
14: Okay. Good. Hey everybody, uh, John Moore I'm with the uh, Kansas Department of Transportation. I am their public transportation manager. Uh, I guess professionally, I have a relationship with Douglas County and the city of Lawrence as fiscal agent and oversight needs for um, not only the Lawrence Transit, but also for the um, rural and uh, specialized transportation needs uh, of Douglas County. And I guess personally, I'm a uh, KU grad, if you can see that. Um, Knowledge of the uh, city and community come with that, uh, being there, living there for six years. Uh, So uh, pretty excited to see this project go forward, um, as well as the transfer facility as well.
1: Thanks, John. All right. Uh, Kim Kreiner-Ritchie.
10: <clears throat> Hi, I'm sustainability and food systems analyst for Douglas County um, in the Douglas County, Lawrence Douglas County Sustainability Office. Uh, so I'm here representing um, interests on, on that part, um, perhaps particular to our upcoming climate adaptation planning process, um, any ties to that. I'm also staff liaison to the um, Food Policy Council, and so also um, bring interest for connectivity to, to healthy food, as has already been mentioned by, by some
14: individuals as well.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Kim. Uh, Christopher Tilden.
14: Hello, everyone. Um, my day job is a uh, research project manager at the University of Kansas Center for Public Partnerships and Research. Uh, that's probably pertinent to this discussion principally because uh, I used Route 10 of the bus system uh, to get to and from work. And uh, a lot of my meetings in the community uh, happen downtown. And so I jump on Route 10 to get from work to meetings in the community. So I've utilized transit quite a bit, not only Route 10, but that certainly most of my experience uh, with the public transit system. I am representing Laval well Douglas County, which is a health and wellness coalition of around 150 residents in the community for 10 plus years we have had a healthy built environment work group that focuses on system and environmental change uh, to encourage active transportation we believe that transit is a really key part of that active system uh, so i chair that work group and am also chair elect of the coalition as, uh, as a whole
1: okay thanks christopher um, August, uh, yeah, August uh, Rudisell, Red- if I said that correctly.
12: It, yeah, it's close enough. It's Rudicell. My name is August rudisell I've uh, lived here in Lawrence for about 20 or 19 years. I am on the public transit advisory committee with Adam. And I'm also, I've been a, I've been a daily writer for about six plus years.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, August. Uh, Frederick Kip.
2: Hey, good afternoon. My name is Frederick Gipp. You guys can call me Freddie. Uh, I am a PTAC member along with August and uh, work with Adam. I also run my own consulting firm called Lead Horse LLC, which is a small Native American community development firm. And I'm here because I really want to help expand resources and opportunity for Haskell students.
1: Okay. Thanks so much, Frederick. Ron May. Okay. I already went earlier. Oh, did you? Okay. Sorry. Uh, Let's see. Who did I miss then? I think Justin maybe is the last person. Justin Priest. All right. Well, I think I got everybody. Um, If not, then speak up. Okay. Great. So uh, let's get started then. The the first uh, item on on the agenda is um, talking a little bit about the what we call the project catalyst. So, how we got here, why this project is starting now, um, and, and a little bit of background information. I think maybe it's it's good for maybe Adam to to cover this a little bit. Um, we read the RFP document that laid out some some information, um, especially kind of the uh, laying out of or moving of the transit center um, from Vermont Street downtown to the uh, new site on Bob Billings, or at least you know partially moving potentially, Um, but other other background information that may be useful to our understanding of of the project and its catalysts.
0: Sure. So um, the main transfer area for the bus system uh, historically was at 9th and Massachusetts Street downtown. Uh, And In 2010, there was some construction activity in the area that uh, resulted in the need for that main hub to move. It moves a couple of times in a short short time span within a couple of years, uh, landing at its current location uh, across from the library in 2013. And so we have been operating there um, since 2013 with the majority of our transfers, uh, still technically a temporary location. Um, There were studies in 2014 and 2018 to look for um, sites for Transfer hub that could accommodate more passenger amenities and, and a little more space for safer operations. Um, those were, uh, those sandwiched another 2016 attempts to go after a TIGER grant with the University of Kansas for a hub on their campus. So there's been a few different uh, attempts to find a suitable location for a main transfer hub. Um, one of the locations identified in the 2018 study was the Southeast corner of Bob Billings and Crestline. So that is a site that we have signed an MOU with KU to move forward on development of a transfer hub at that site. There is not any transfer activity right there at, at this time. So um, it requires that we, that we do some, some significant route redesign. Uh, there will certainly still be the need for transfers downtown. And that's the way we've structured um, the facility project is to not only do improvements at Bob Blanks and Crestline, but also some limited improvements downtown to still accommodate um, a handful of routes that might still transfer in that area. So uh, there's a need, um, that, that's what's catalyzing this, this needs to look at the system as a whole. Um, I do think In times of change like this, it's an opportunity for us to think about other service models too. So it's not only how do we serve these new facilities, but should we take a step back and think about um, is our transit system doing what we want it to do in Lawrence as a whole? So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's an opportunity for us to to look at a more big picture as well.
1: Got it. Uh, Yeah. So anybody anybody else want to add to that as far as catalysts for the study? Okay, that pretty, pretty well covers it. Okay, so then the next question is, how should we measure success? Um, I mean, clearly there's a need to restructure the system because s- such a prominent hub will be, will be moving or will be created. So we need to make sure that we can uh, work around that and create seamless transfer opportunities, but how else? What other metrics um, are key to the success from a community standpoint? Anybody can weigh in on that. You know, typical metrics are, you know, things like ridership. Obviously, that's that's a you know top top uh, metric and productivity. So, you know, how what resources what resources do you have to invest to to get the the ridership that you do get? Things like on time performance. But are there any other things that um, other than those really basic ones, any, any other metrics we should be aware of that are kind of key to this to the success of this project?
12: This okay. is August food to sell. Um, Just something that we've talked about on the PTAC committee is this efficiency of the bus route layout. I've ridden in other cities and the efficiency is much lower. So there's multiple transfers and a significant walking distance to get to transfer stations. And so Lawrence, one of the things I've stated I've appreciated is Lawrence routes are pretty efficient. Transfer, are, You're able to get from one side of town to the other with minimum time and usually just one transfer. So I think that's crucial. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So maintaining the ease of transfer and uh, f- fairly fast travel times. Okay. Carol, I think you had your, your hand up. I, you're on mute, Carol. There.
11: Um, I don't know if you could measure it or not, but it sure would be interesting to know if we actually reduce vehicular traffic
1: because of bus ridership. hmm Okay, yeah, that's a good, good measure. Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in on um, measures of success? Uh, Charlie, go ahead.
13: Uh, Charlie Bryan, MTC Commissioner. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued by some data I looked at recently that measures the percent of households that are within a half mile of transit. It's 65.7%. Uh, and that number, when it's looked at by um, high-frequency transit, which I'm not sure how that's defined, but it's a distinct uh, measure on this website I'm looking at, it says 13.5%. <clears throat> that seems like a pretty low number. I'm I'd be interested in knowing how that how that could be increased so that more mm. households have access to high-frequency transit.
1: Okay, very good. So coverage and accessibility are good measures of success. Okay. Um, anybody else uh, have any thoughts on measures of success? Okay, I might throw a few
0: things, but I didn't want to jump in. Oh, I see Melissa unmuted.
3: Go ahead. I guess I just wanted to mention um, I I was part of the um, anti-poverty work group that was part of the community health plan, um, and there is a strategy in that plank of the plan that is tied with um, some uh, transit. Um, goals so it might be worth taking a look at, at that um, as well
1: okay and then who, who was speaking before melissa go ahead, Cam. Um, oh, yeah,
0: was, go ahead.
10: sorry sorry adam i was just gonna um, piggyback on melissa's comment that the food the food system plan for douglas county also has um strategies about locating um or locating um routes Connectivity to healthy food access, um, and so I think you know we're talking about efficiency, but maybe we can drill that even more to efficiency to, to healthy food as well.
1: Okay, it's a good good thought, and that that actually is a good segue to, to the next bullet point, which is um, unmet needs. So, food access is is one, and in many communities, um, there 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 are sort of food deserts or you know grocery store deserts, as I think they're called sometimes. Um, is, is that a, a major issue in Lawrence? And then um, any other unmet needs that, that you feel transit can be a solution to, to solving?
2: Anyways. This is Freddie Gip here. Um, yeah, especially in the east side of Lawrence, uh, it's a big food desert. Uh, and just with the news recent that came out that there's a potential discussion with the school board to close Kennedy for a childhood facility. And so that right there, you know, you're going to have to find well, where those kids are going to go. Um, where they're going to walk to, you know, the closest school. From my opinion, there's Cordley, Perry Park. And, I mean, that's very different from the fairgrounds. And so we have to kind of put that into consideration, too. So kind of following what the city's doing, I guess.
1: Okay.
7: There are actually three food deserts in Lawrence. Uh, One is also North Lawrence, and the other is a significant portion of the Pinkney neighborhood, which is very large and the connections to grocery stores from both North Lawrence and Pinckney are not simple. You have to make at least one transfer to get to any grocery store.
1: Okay. And the third one you were meant is uh, sorry. So then the third one
7: Freddie mentioned that there was the, one in East Lawrence. Oh East
2: Lawrence. East Lawrence okay. I was
7: just adding the other it'd be two.
2: like East Lawrence Perry Park neighborhood. I mean where my parents live the closest gas up grocery stores, like I don't even, from Perry Park. I don't know, maybe Walmart, it's maybe Checkers, Checkers. I don't Checkers. know. Yeah,
7: Checkers is the closest. That's kind of
2: crazy, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. OK. OK, any other uh, unmet needs? Um, and those those can be either geographic or they can be kind of by time of day mm-hmm. um, or even you know things like frequency that you mm-hmm. uh, there are issues of, of getting to places in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, any other unmet needs?
2: I have another one. Um sure. So like just providing the alternate safe routes for high school students at night. There was never a night line for them or nothing. Um, they're students like Ku students are, uh, but they don't have the reflected same access. And I understand there's a funding debt discrepancy, obviously with the involvement, but like that was a big thing too. And just and also I know you said metrics, but like whether it's analytical data, like I feel like if you don't if you if you don't see a kid walking with groceries on Street ever again, and that's a positive metric, like from going back from high school, because I've seen that so many times where they're just walking with their groceries. And I was like, that's crazy, like,
1: so. Mm, okay.
11: Carol Bowen, MMTC commissioner. I was looking at the maps on the uh, report that was done with KU and doing a little role playing, like living in a neighborhood, could I get to city hall? could I get to a recreation center? Could I get here? Could I get there? And I found that we really, we might be connecting geographically, but I'm not sure we're connecting people with their destinations.
1: Hmm. Okay. That's
7: true. I would also add that access to grade schools and junior high, well, middle schools from some parts of town based on how the school district has their Uh, districting and division lines Um, I do a lot of the phone customer service and I know that connecting some people to their school for their young children is very challenging sometimes
1: Mm -hmm. what's the situation with uh, school buses in Lawrence is is it
9: robust is it lacking
7: they they have one but the minimum distance I believe is two and a half miles
9: it's a two and a half mile. We take basically we're we basically bus who we can get funding for. So unless you have a special IEP or some some special reason, then two and a half miles is the qualified distance we do try the kids that you know a lot of kids hit on the just on the other side that they might be 2.3 2.2 and if we have room on a bus we get them on it Mm -hmm. but it's it's very difficult and it is it's it's hard to tell a family that has a kindergarten child that they live two miles away that they're within quote-unquote walking distance according to the state sure sure and we just don't have the budget to be able to run buses for all those kids okay got it all
1: right uh christopher i think you're on mute christopher tilden
14: yeah thank you i was i, I was gonna um add to that i i do i, I think there are a f- considerable number of middle school high school students that do utilize uh, the transit system as a mechanism to get to school i'm i'm and i'm really intrigued by carol's idea of particularly in some of our neighborhoods where um you know, people lower income or that may be more dependent on uh, alternate um, transportation other than a you know, personal automobile thinking about how is it that they access our major employers how is it they access schools um, how is it they access um, grocery stores food pantries and whatnot i think that idea of recognizing the efficiency of routes from some of those low-income neighborhoods i think is a lens that seems worth thinking about. Right. Okay. Very good.
0: Two other things okay. I mentioned, Boris. Um, we always hear about Sunday service being an unmet need. So, you know, that, that would come at the expense of service elsewhere, but that's something we need to work through. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, um, as, as we built into this project, we want to explore fare free service. I think that's a uh, uh, discussion that communities wanted to have for a while, and this uh, is the appropriate time to have it, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Um, so let's talk next about any recent efforts that you think are noteworthy either for their success or, or failure or lack of success. So things that uh, may have been tried in the, I don't know, last 10 years or so that, that you think we can learn from.
0: One of the gems to my mind is um, flex service or fixed service in the Peterson Road area, North, central, Northwest. It's an area where we consistently get requests for more service, but have not seen ridership there. So I think we'll, that, that theme is probably true in other areas too, where, um, demand just doesn't merit a fixed route, but, um, uh, so like every a server was fixed out, but that might not be
7: the right tool. Also everything west of Wakarusa.
1: As as not not performing there's well.
7: A, there's not we don't actually have service there because there, but there's a lot of town that's been built on the mm-hmm. west edge of town that we've never served.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh and Adam, you mentioned uh flex service, right? That's can you describe that?
0: So operating on a fixed route, but can flex um, into different areas if there's, there's people who request rides in those areas. So um, I'm always a little yeah. concerned about that type of service um, just because it, it, to me, it's kind of the bad of both coins. You know, your, your fixed route service suffers from reliability and, and flex is not as good as true on-demand
1: sure um have people been utilizing the flex aspect of it
0: so i might ask margaret i made you speak this this was prior to my time but i know we did we had this service operating up in that area Um, i'm not sure we did um the ridership
7: was enough that we set the route into a fixed route and then we changed it a few years ago because of the low ridership in that peterson road area but i could go back and find where we made that change in order to provide some data about what Mm -hmm. what was happening in each phase of that if that's something you want to look at Um,
1: i I think it sounds like it's safe to say it's safe to say the flex service wasn't like a resounding success no No. okay that's that's good enough okay um okay any any other thoughts on uh recent efforts we can learn from i think
7: that we should talk about nightline and how successful it has been okay um this started before adam's time and gingers uh and when it first started it was two vehicles and they've added I don't know how many vehicles we're up to now since I don't monitor that one. Uh, but they've continuously added vehicles in order to meet the demand of the nighttime demand response service.
1: Okay, and that's still that. Has that been um, affected by COVID or has it been operating throughout mm-hmm.
7: ginger. it
8: must- Impacted slightly with COVID, but not not as much so because um, the service itself actually services a lot of warehouses and overnight industry that stayed going.
1: hmm on, on a fixed alignment. Yes. Mm-hmm.
8: So, but it with the um, night line, a little bit of the challenge is the fact that by servicing that it's people it's individuals that are going to work at those bookend times Mm -hmm. you know but they're they're working the night shift Mm -hmm. so we get them to work and we get them home from work
1: okay great
6: all right Hey, hey boris this is quiz um one thing that probably just everybody should be aware of and i don't know if there's anything that could ever be done about it but you know the city bus system and the KU on wheels bus system are funded on two separate funding models and so just knowing the the differences you know the city operates you know Monday through Saturday KU on wheels operates Monday through Friday when classes are in session you know mm-hmm. our our bus routes for this for KU, KU go till ten thirty at night I think Adam are you guys like 8 eight thirty somewhere in there right. I believe yeah um so just understanding those little differences and finding out if there's a way to maybe even try to consolidate or or get uh both a little closer on the same page would be sorry no you're good Uh,
1: has that been has that been an issue um during holidays and and like other times when school is not in session where people who are not students but rely on university funded service um have come to rely on these routes and they go away during break time Is yeah i'd
6: I'd say that's accurate yeah how prevalent it is i'm not sure but i do know that we get we get calls on it you know each each every every year when that those those come up and we're not operating
7: Mm -hmm. on the first monday after classes end there is always a flurry of calls about people who yeah don't have service suddenly
1: yeah yeah we hear that a lot in in college towns or you know communities with large student populations that's quite common okay um so let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about the process the the project process Um, so there there's kind of three primary components of, of input that we're gonna take um, from from you guys. So there's, there's gonna be a market analysis, which is looking at the environment in which transit has to operate in Lawrence. Th- things like density, things like land use, things that help us understand where different types of transit service may be most appropriate and most effective. Um, so that's kind of a technical analysis. The other technical analysis is a, a service analysis. It's looking at what's happening today with your routes, so we'll be and maybe t- when I say today, I really sh- should probably clarify that because we we know that COVID has changed things. So we'll be looking at what service looked like, you know, pre-pandemic, um, as well as what it, what it looks like now because some travel patterns may be a bit different these days. So those are two, the service and market analyses. Those are very technical analyses. But at the same time, we're going to be doing outreach, uh, stakeholder uh, engagement, stakeholder outreach. Um, And that includes all of you, um, but it it may include others as well. Um, So with every phase of our study, we're going to have a series of stakeholder meetings. So public meetings and Stakeholder kind of smaller group stakeholder meetings of invitees much like this meeting here today, but potentially with another group of stakeholders if if that's appropriate. Um, So I'd like to start with talking about stakeholders are there is this group here today um, fairly representative of the Community, or do we need to reach out to to a broader group of stakeholders, in other words, is there some some group that's sort of in between the public at large because we will have public meetings and this group is there is there sort of a need for a more refined group of stakeholders in addition to all of you and if so who are those stakeholders who's not at the table today that 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 should be that that isn't um you know just the general public
2: i understand that this person might be really busy but Christina Haswood that represents District 10, I think she'd be a really quintessential stakeholder, especially for high school. their involvement in this plan. But like I said, she's really busy and so it just really depends.
1: Okay. Um, Carol
11: Bowen, um, ADA. We don't have anyone here representing ADA issues.
7: Are we doing paratransit analysis in this as well?
1: We're so Adam, correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, our primary focus will be um, fixed route service and potential demand response, but more general, general public focused. Um, so we're not doing a specific analysis of ADA service. Is, is that correct, Adam?
0: Right. So our um, our paratransit service will continue to operate as as complementary to fixed route service, but, um, but this particular study. You know, changing fixed routes will affect where paratransit service might be, but you know, in general, it's going to be the, the city limits of Lawrence. So, if there's specific quality issues or other things regarded to the city's T lift service, we can certainly accept those as staff and figure out where the solutions might be. But, but this particular, I'd
7: like I'd like staff. to add to that the, the paratransit service area being in the city limits is already expanding beyond the requirement of 3 quarters of a mile because there are only very small pockets of town that don't meet that requirement right now. So, mm. we've we've already pr- we're providing paratransit more than required at this point. Okay. I
11: was not referring to paratransit. I was referring to ADA and and traveling on the regular
1: buses. <laughs> okay. I see. Um, are the, OK, are there, are there any stakeholders that are, um, I guess, difficult to reach that we should be aware of that we'll need to make a special effort to try to get them involved? And
7: Haskell. I know Haskell? this already is on here, but our experience and past attempts have been that we have not been able to get Haskell involved in past
12: studies. OK.
1: Uh, and uh, sorry go uh, ahead charlie
13: i was going to say there's a student bus pass uh, program that's been going on now for a few years and um i believe it's several hundred passes are sold each semester and also the summer and i think uh, families that are purchasing those might be a stakeholder group that would be worth involving in some way i don't know if the children would be able to participate but maybe the family you know the the caregivers could be consulted.
1: Okay,
12: this is August. I I purchase those every semester for my teenager. I mean, I, I'm just one person though, so that's that's doesn't constitute much. Okay, great. Yeah.
14: yeah, I'm not certain who all the local community groups are that do purchase passes on behalf of clients. And Adam could probably rip those off pretty pretty easily. Um, but some of those groups are representative of you know, end users of the system um, i appreciate the fact that gary's here from one of the neighborhood associations i do think there probably probably are in, in, uh, neighborhoods in our community that aren't represented so thinking a little bit about some of that geographic representation as well as some of those high user groups i think would be helpful
1: okay um
4: also just- i don't about this and how about any key employers or uh, businesses that should be other than KU (laughs) as a key employer (laughs) and the Stuhl District. I was just
10: thinking the same thing that Anne was in regards to, like, I don't know if there's anyone on here from the East Hills or Barry or some of those employers that I know have heavy use.
1: Are those those some of them, are those some of the employers that have, been served by the Nightline service. Yes. Certainly not.
6: Okay.
0: Yeah, I will. We the um, picking specific employers was a tough, you know, thought process to figure out who who you might invite. But we did uh, not able to make it tonight. But Hugh uh, Carter from the chamber okay. was one way we tried to engage the business community. Okay.
3: I, I'm wondering if uh, maybe someone from the Workforce Center or Peasley Tech might be also able to speak to sort of that, you know, getting people connected with employment piece.
10: I don't think it's been mentioned yet, but I would add a representative from Just Food, the Food Bank of Douglas County, as um, they would have great connectivity to their clients who, with and their transportation needs.
1: What about um, medical facilities, hospitals, things like that. Is, is there anyone that we should include there?
4: Heartland, potentially. Say what? Say that again. Heartland Community Health Center. Heartland, yeah, okay. All right.
1: Um, okay.
5: I don't know if we have anybody from LMH already, but... Um, I'm sorry if so, if if you've introduced yourself already, but um, perhaps Allison Coons with LMH, she's involved in a lot of community projects and she's a community outreach person. And this isn't specific to health, but I just want to mention, I I don't know if anything has been um, done to try to reach some of our Hispanic population. Um, Some of the the population may not be English speaking, but trying to get their input and seeing in which services they use would would be helpful.
6: Okay. Yeah. Good, good thoughts. Or when we're talking about medical, uh, maybe Burt Nash as well. Um, and other agencies like that in Lawrence might be worth, worth chatting about. And, and just from a student perspective, I don't know if it's, if it matters or not, but like the, all the apartment complexes, right. I mean, we have a lot of our bus routes that are running directly right to them. Um, you know, if, if any of those routes may be affected or, um, stays the same. Maybe it's worth having their input. Um, not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
7: What all about right. United Way for all the other charities that aren't just food related and medical to get somebody from United Way involved for to represent all the rest of them?
0: So I won't put Megan too much on the spot here, but the, we had um, we had included. Uh, Leah Roslin from the United Way Human Services Coalition, where a lot of those, those groups that meet and discuss issues, and Melissa mentioned the anti poverty work group that came out of that. Um, uh, Leah has moved on from that position, but Megan has stepped in to help us oh. with that lens, as well as from SRC. But. Okay. Um,
1: about
4: great. like DECA or something, too? Could that be somebody?
1: sure okay so as we put together the um, engagement strategy it's it will be multifaceted so there will be many opportunities for people to engage whether it's in person or online Uh, we're assuming that at least toward the start of the project most things will be uh, online, um, but we'll see how things go over the course of the of the study. Um, one of our first efforts will be a transit study. Uh, sorry, a transit survey, um, and that that survey will be an online survey. But um, we'll look for all of you to to maybe help us spread the the word on, and and the link to the survey once it gets created. Um, we we hope to capture a lot of riders. And, and in fact, we're going to try to make the survey ensure that the responses are st- statistically significant based on the ridership levels of every route. But we want to go beyond just the riders. We want to um, also target non-riders who are prospective riders or who may represent riders as their you know, constituents or clients or, or whatever. So um, the transit survey will kind of be the, one of our first uh, engagement pieces, but we'll also um, supplement that with in, with uh, focus group meetings, public meetings that will, like I said, e- initially be online but could potentially move to in-person um, later on. And, um, We'll be providing uh, content for, uh, I believe, Adam, if I'm not mistaken here, you guys will be hosting the website, but we'll provide the content if I have that right. (laughs) Yes, okay. Right. Right. Um, and any any thoughts from from you on any other uh, engagement strategies?
4: Yeah, my, my one only concern is I'm going because we always talk about doing online surveys. Are there any other people that we think won't do an online survey that we want to make sure we reach? I do see Megan nodding there, and like that we want to that we would need to get like hard copies and then we can input them, obviously. But uh, is that? or there's we want to target or know who you think might be that we'll we'll flag those and we need you guys will need to tell us who it is so we can get you those too so that we can make sure those are included because i know some people won't do online
14: yeah i was going to ask if that's if that's a possibility i I think if you pursue that strategy that it really helps to like have an active presence um it's not going to work to sit surveys in a box you know on a Mm -hmm. table and ask people to fill them out i'm thinking back to the community health improvement um plan development you know we we had good uh participation with the survey online those tended to be um more representative generally of a more affluent um younger demographic Uh, to get a really broader demographic we utilized locations like just food you know the food bank uh the the library and had staff there to (laughs) pester people uh, to participate in the survey and we ended up with over 2000 responses to that survey through that mechanism, so I think choosing some high traffic locations in our Community uh, really could help ensure broad representation
1: okay. The approach we were taking when we were writing the proposal for this project, we were kind of thinking in the context of COVID, obviously, everybody was thinking in the context of COVID. So we we were thinking we will primarily have an online survey presence, and then we will track the responses and see if they're representative. So if they're representative of the ridership volumes that we're seeing on the routes, if they're representative of the demographic uh, targets that we may have, of the income targets that we may have, and if, if it it's looking like the results are not representative so for example if they're trending higher income than we would you know expect or whatever we can follow that up with in-person surveying sort of targeted in-person surveying um as needed uh so we'll we'll certainly keep an eye on that to make sure that we have what is generally you know agreed upon as a representative sample
10: Please correct me if I'm wrong, but Adam, don't you know where the primary riders come from? what stops?
0: We do, and I would—I was going to offer that we had some success last fall with um, paper surveys on board of vehicles, and some of uh, Ginger's staff road supervisors doing intercept surveys at our downtown transfer area uh, with clipboards um, to get to get people in that way, so we can. I don't want to commit Ginger staff; they're very busy to uh, to do a whole lot more of that. But it was something that I think we could tap into again, and did give us um, did give us people who maybe not wouldn't have ever done it on a phone or computer.
3: Um, I w- I wanted to mention that uh, the library has been um, sort of a passive uh, survey collection site for several recent surveys, and we we have had success with people filling those out. Um, and I guess I would mention. Um, Often if you give people an incentive um, for filling out a survey, um, that, that's always a good, uh, <laughs> a good carrot also.
1: Okay, very good. All right, so that, that, those are all um, really good thoughts as we develop the engagement plan um, as a first step. So thank you for all that.
6: Hey um, Adam, real quick. Sorry, Boris. Adam, mm-hmm. on the MyBus Lawrence app, would we be able to make an announcement somehow that included a link for the survey, and then anybody that had the MyBus Lawrence app might be able to uh, get access to the survey? I don't know if that's a possibility, but something to consider. Yep,
0: we can use push notifications. to Send That'd that be out. Great.
1: Okay. And any other last uh, any last thoughts on this? No, but if engagement. anybody
4: thinks if anybody thinks of anything after this, just feel free to email Boris and myself like that. Just say, you know, please, you know, make sure that's because I know after I
7: am in the showers, when I always think of things. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yes, Mar- Margareta.
7: I want to add that from our meeting last week, I want to make sure that we make an effort to have the survey ready and able to send out to students before final exams start. Because Mm -hmm. my experience is that if we don't catch students while they're in class, they are much less likely to actually complete a survey. Mm -hmm. And so that might mean that we want to pull the beginning of the first survey period forward a little bit. right? And then in the fall, move the end of the survey period into the first couple of weeks of class so that we make sure that we catch them coming back
1: too. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good Good plan. Um, yeah. So then I know we're kind of getting close on time here, but um, so d- the next bullet point is data collection. And the survey is a big component of that. That's that's a big part of how we get the initial. Um, input from stakeholders and the public. Um, other data sources we'll be looking at are things like census data um, for the market analysis, uh, information from uh, a regional travel travel demand model, um, which helps us understand um, population density, employment density. Um, we'll be looking at key demographics uh, People with disabilities, where there's concentration of those zero-vehicle households, those kind of demographic um, information sets, and then we'll also be looking at the existing ridership that's going to come from uh, APCs, which are called uh, automated passenger counters. So we'll be actually looking and processing ridership data from from the buses um, uh, that are being collected on an ongoing basis. So we have a very data-driven approach, um, but it's also informed by a lot of uh, stakeholder input, stakeholder engagement. Um, And the last bullet point is how is the management process. So this meeting here, we're gonna be repeating on a monthly basis, Um, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Adam? Every once a month, we'll be reconvening this group. Okay, yep, Uh, we'll also be doing bi-weekly meetings with a smaller group of sort of the project management. So um, folks like Adam and Jessica and, and a few few folks from uh, the from KU and and the city and um, so that's gonna be a smaller group. We'll just be meeting every other week for a phone call to ensure that everything remains sort of on on track as we as we go. Um, and then you know other other than that um the project let me bring up the timeline real quick just to make sure i get this accurate i think we're a couple just a couple of weeks behind schedule i guess based on what we had proposed um on this project initially but the entire project is set to be completed by the end of december so um we've got a lot to do we'll be um you know, engaging with all of you on a regular basis um, and we're, we're going to get started right away um, on the market and service analysis and Anne will get to work on developing that um, engagement plan that we will run by um, Adam and, and his team um, and then all, all of you uh, as well to make sure that we, we, we have a good plan to go forward. So yeah, we have five minutes left. Any any other questions that um, anybody would like to bring up? All right. Well, I want to say thank you then um, for giving us all the input. It was very useful, and we really look forward to getting additional input from all of you, especially once we have some ideas that we can vet off of you and have you guys swat them away if they're terrible and give us thumbs up if they're if they're decent. So. Um, so yeah. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your evenings to uh, to join us today. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk mm-hmm. in a bit. Yeah. We'll talk next time. Bye bye.
4: A nice evening.
8: Bye.
1: Bye.